In this episode, I am speaking with the amazingly talented and powerfully positive Sean Garner. Sean is a business coach, and he is going to share what it meant to be a dad and a successful entrepreneur. And he's going to dive into why not everyone who wants to be an entrepreneur should be an entrepreneur. He's going to tell you the deciding factor. Sean will also share what defines a good and successful entrepreneur from those who struggle. And he's going to help you learn how to recognize a great opportunity when you see it. Discover the key to making quick, reliable decisions, using your family as perfect leverage in making those right decisions, and understand that no dad is perfect, and that's okay. Discover the power of creating positivity and understanding that words have power. This, my friend, is a powerful episode. My conversation with Sean Gardner starts right now. You are listening to the Dads Making a Difference podcast, the number one podcast for men driven to live a life of significance. Men who want to make a difference in the lives of their families, in their business, and in the world around them. My name is Cam Hall, founder of Fight the Dabot and leader of the Dads Making a Difference Mastermind. Thank you so much for spending time with me today. Now, let's dive in. Hello, my friends. Welcome back to another episode of the DMD podcast. My name is Cam Hall. I am your host, and I am excited to dive into our conversation today with a special guest. Now, I'm always excited with our guests, but I know that today's episode is going to be special because today I get to speak and welcome, speak with and welcome Sean Garner. Sean is an amazing guy. Sean is, has a gift of communicating in a way that inspires, challenges, and empowers. And if you truly want to become a difference maker, you need to hear Sean share his story because you'll learn so much about leadership in your family decision-making, and faith. I guarantee that you will leave this episode with a new lens through which you will make decisions, which is my goal. The Dad's Making a Difference Mastermind and podcast is dedicated to helping men become a difference maker in the lives of their families, in their business, and in the community around them. It is my goal that with each episode, we will give you practical and actionable information and steps that you can implement in your life so that you can truly become a dad making a difference. If you are new here, welcome. It's great to have you. If you are returning, I appreciate you. Hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out on any upcoming episodes. And if you're listening today and this conversation brings you value in any way, please pay it forward, share it with someone you know, post it on your social media, tag us at Dads Making a Difference. Sharing this episode could be the one step that inspires someone else to become a dad making a difference. Now, I get razzed a bit on my long intros, but I need to give Sean the intro he deserves because I believe it will paint uh, a picture and build a foundation for our conversation today. Sean has had an extensive career as a fitness professional and now business coach. Sean has reached hundreds of thousands of people with his videos, podcasts, trainings, and through his online platforms. Men's Health Magazine named Sean one of the top trainers in the world. And you see this guy, he's a beast. Yet Sean walked away from training, managing, and operating in world-class gym facilities so that he could work from home and have more freedom and time 
with his wife and his children. Sean now mentors and coaches others to create digital streams of revenue so that they too can avoid burnout, fulfill their purpose, provide for their families, and create a life of freedom. I could go on and on, but I won't. You've heard enough from me, Sean. Welcome to the Dad's Making a Difference podcast. Well, wow, man. That's, uh, I mean, I feel like I, we really set up a hopefully not for disappointment and hopefully we can <laughs> add some value to people. That's a, that's a heck of an intro, brother, but thank you. I am honored. I love Cam and uh, I've been connected with you for years now, followed you on social media, never met in person, but just uh, this is one of the positives of social media is getting ready to connect, uh, able to connect with awesome people like this. So I'm pumped, man. And hopefully we drop a lot of value and just help some people out today. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure we will. Uh, thanks again for being here, brother. Uh, I just want to get started, Sean. Why don't you tell us a little bit about you, you know, where little Sean grew up and where, like where you grew up, your journey. And then we can have more of a conversation about how you got to where you are today. Yeah. I'll, I'll try and give like the quick highlighted version. I grew up in uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma, where uh, people aren't familiar. It's like dead in the middle of America, pretty much a little bit on the Southern side, um, born and raised in this area. Honestly, growing up, I was a skinny skateboarding video game dorky kid, like wasn't athletic at all, didn't play any sports, uh, just played video games and like a little BMX bike and skateboarder around the neighborhood, like tried to be like the little cool emo punk rocker kid. <laughs> I wasn't even good at that because I'm like such a happy person. <laughs> I, wasn't even a, I wasn't even good at being emo. Why is that guy smiling all the time? He doesn't, I don't think he gets it. Like you got, you got, imagine like the kid with like the skinny jeans, the Weezer t-shirt and the spiky bracelet where he's got this. <laughs> couldn't pull off the look very well. But uh, anyway, uh, met my wife, uh, was my high school sweetheart. We met our senior year of uh, high school, ended up going to Bible college together. I studied youth ministry for a couple of years, thought that's what I was going to do and actually worked as a youth pastor for a couple of years and then ended up moving uh, back to Tulsa where I was from to take a job at a ministry. Their funding fell through. So it kind of led me down this crazy career journey, which went from like restaurant manager to uh, EMT school to becoming a firefighter to then I had all this free time. And so then I started opening up gyms and then I opened up more gyms, then sold the gyms and thought I was going to leave fitness and then ended up uh, moving our whole family across the country to Miami, Florida. And I ended up starting all over as a personal trainer and worked my way up to general manager of this gym. And then whenever I did that, got connected with tons of things in fitness, man, where I uh, started growing my own personal brand and got connected and did a lot of cool stuff with Men's Health Magazine as like a writer and fitness advisor, did a lot of really cool stuff in fitness. And as I was doing that, um, my whole passion and honestly, why I even got into fitness was because I wanted to have a business. I, I didn't necessarily like get into opening up gyms because I wanted to be a trainer, but I want to have a business. And that was something I was passionate about. And everybody says, well, follow your passion. And right. so uh, I followed that. And what I liked most about that was hiring and training my staff. So bringing on other trainers and telling them what I had learned. And so as that kind of evolved and, and I had moved to Miami and I had created this online, like personal brand, if you will, uh, with what was called Project Dad Bod, which is how we, we originally connected. Yeah. Um, then I started having my my friends and other trainers asking me how I was doing what I, do, I was doing. And, and since I had the experience of owning the gyms and businesses in the past, I was just sharing them. What to me was just basic stuff 
that I was doing to, to build this brand and to, to build this company and everything. And so that ended up to where just like I had the passion in fitness originally with training other trainers, I got to almost do that again. I was like, well, this is more fun teaching these other trainers than it is actually like, you know, working with the online fitness stuff. And so yeah. that evolved to, to what I do now with, with Entrefit coaching and consulting to where it's business marketing coaching, you know, working with the solopreneur to the small business owner to help them with their marketing messaging and, and building systems out that actually scale so they can stop running around like they're checking with the head cut off. And uh, yeah, man, we, we've since then about two years ago, moved back to Tulsa, Oklahoma, where we're from and we're here with family. We're loving it, man. And it's, it's been a journey throughout that whole process. We had my wife and I had had three kids along the way. We've got uh, Hadley, our oldest, Aubrey. Uh, Hadley is nine. Aubrey is uh, seven, and then Corbin, our boy, is two. And so we're, uh, man, we're we're Busy. both at home entrepreneurs, own several little businesses together, and just going through life, trying to figure this thing out. And I, I occasionally get to do awesome things like uh, talk to Kim Hall. So oh, I love it, man. I love it. You, uh, you're busy. You and Courtney are busy. You are outnumbered. Kim and I stopped at two, um, but you got three. You go from man defense to zone defense. So now, uh, yeah, I love it. <laughs> so it's typically like it's a transition. It's like uh, our son, he's, he's awesome, but he's for sure a mama's boy. So like she takes him, I take the older, our older two girls and everything. And yeah. you got to go zone once yeah. that's where it gets tough. And I've seen videos of you and your kids. And if, if you're following Sean on uh, social media or if you're not, you need to at Sean Garner. But if you're not following awesome stuff, the activities you do and the adventures you go on, I think that there's a little bit, we have a connection somehow. Is one of your daughters born on February 16th? Yes. Yeah. My daughter's also born on February 16th. She's 10. <laughs> so she's a year older. So I, I saw that post. I was like, Oh, cool. So, Hey, I, I want to unpack some of the stuff you just shared and you, you went through it in about felt like 45 seconds, but I want to dig into some of this because, you know, a lot of people would be like, I want to hear about Sean and his training and we'll get there and we'll get to the business stuff. But as a dad, as a husband, uh, as leaders, a business owner, as the, you went through a lot of pivots, man, you went through a lot of transitions. You started as a firefighter and then ended up training. You spent a little bit of time in a contest on TV, and then you ended up in a boutique high-class gym in Miami. Like I'd, I'd love for you to dive in a little bit to what you were going through in some of those pivots. Yeah. I would say that ever since uh, I was a like from a young age, always had this entrepreneurial like fire inside of me. I grew up very, very poor. Um, my dad always like encouraged me to be an entrepreneur and to go into business for yourself. But yet, like strangely, like he never did. Like he had a like very low paying job working for the city and everything. But he always from a young age instilled that into me. So. I I was never like shown like I, I didn't have like a family business that I took over or anything like that, but it was always instilled to me like from a young age. My dad like beat it into me. He was you know you always want to impress your dad and everything, and so he he beat it into me like he was always more impressed with the entrepreneur that didn't go to college versus the person that you know went and had their college degree and and they just went and worked for some company. And so I always had that in, inside of me, and I think because of that. I've always looked for opportunities. And when somebody asked me what 
before, like in the past, like what I think defines a, a good entrepreneur or what makes somebody successful as an entrepreneur. Because I will say this, like quick side note, I don't think everybody should be an entrepreneur. I think that we live in a age and a world and a time right now where it's easy for anybody to do it, but not everybody can and not everybody should because it definitely takes a different mindset. But what I think makes a good opportunity is somebody that is able and it, they're able to do things others can't or others won't, and they see things in a way others can't. So for example, like you might be able... One, you have to be able to see opportunity. So you have to be able to see like... You called it a pivot. You have to be able to see and know when to pivot and see a possible opportunity. Because a lot of times people will just chase the shiny penny thing and they won't really maybe realize all the steps that it takes to actually achieve that thing. Um, but one thing I think that has always been a strong suit for me is to be able to look at a situation and see that there's an opportunity in it and not necessarily just the upfront thing, but see a couple steps later about how I could leverage this one step to a bunch of other steps. Um, so I think that really helps with making decisions and being a good entrepreneur. And the other two things is they're able and willing to do things others can't or won't. So that means one is they have a skill set that just other people just don't. Like you can think about like medical providers and, and stuff like that that has like an actual skill set. Like other people just don't do that. So obviously there's going to be an opportunity for them in the marketplace that way. The other way is people that can uh, do things that others aren't willing to do. And that's where you hear like like the entrepreneurial grind and stuff like that. Like I will this is not like a false humility thing. Like, dude, I'm a poor kid from Oklahoma. (laughs) The only thing that I can say that was like my secret is I have been able to identify and see opportunities. And I've always been ridiculously uh, hardworking. And I shouldn't say always. (laughs) Try to be. I try to be, but uh, there was a, a. We can go into marriage stuff later. But when we first got married, I was very late. I would. I was still that lazy video game playing kid. Um, but uh, once I had that wake up call, I've been extremely hardworking. But then, honestly, it's God, man. Everything I have is because God has blessed me with this, and I just try to do my best to listen and not screw it up. What was the wake up call, Sean? Now we're listening. We're like, oh, Sean got married. He's playing video games. What was the wake up call? Uh, so I got my wife and I, we've been married, um, 17, it'll be 17 years in, in a couple of months. And we got married 19 years old, like right out, like after our freshman year of college, uh, we got married and everything. And I was, I was still a kid. Uh, like I do not want, like one thing I would say if it, like people see my stuff on social media, they're like, Oh, you must always been an athlete and always worked out, always been disciplined. Not at all. Like even when we first got married, I was that skinny, um, like video game playing dork kid. And for some reason, I talked my wife into marrying me. Like I told you, I, I went through like a <laughs> five second journey of all the different things I've done. When yeah. I, my wife, um, I met her in high school. She told me what she was going to do that day. And 17 years later, she's still doing it. Like, yeah, there you go. <laughs> she's like, oh, I'm, I'm going to go to uh, Bible college for a couple of years. I want to get a degree in missions because I like to do medical missions. And then I'm going to go and get my bachelor's degree. And then I'm going to get my master's degree of nursing. And I want to be a nurse practitioner. That's what she does. Yeah, good for <laughs> she, her. Yeah, for me, man, I, I I joke with her all the time, and now thankfully she's just along for the ride. I'm like, babe, I don't know what I'm going to be doing next month. Like, we're just along for the ride. We're looking for opportunities. But so what happened one day is I was this video game playing kid, and uh, my wife comes home from you know working as a nursing assistant, and I'm at home on the couch. 
uh, playing video games and she gets home from work and 19 years old, uh, you know, both struggling, poor college students. Like it was a big deal for us. We joke about this now, but it was a big deal. If we bought like a pound of ground beef to put in like some spaghetti sauce, like that yeah. was like, yeah, we're, we're living there, life. man. <laughs> and she just came home. And I remember she just looked at me and she's like, if you want this marriage to work out, you need to man effing up and you need <laughs> working to provide. And I was like, yes. Okay. <laughs> and so that was my, yes. my light bulb moment to where I was like, okay, that like was a punch in the gut from several things. Like one, like that was a freaking reality check. And it was also a reality check from somebody that you love more than anything. And right. she like, called you out on everything. Like, Yep. I'm doing a pretty crappy job as a husband right now. So that made me want to like, like that shifted me into like a road of what became, I would say I'm just, I'm a recovering workaholic now. Um, I I think it was such a huge shift for me. I went from one extreme to the other Mm -hmm. and I was like working like crazy. And, uh, but it, it got us to, to be where we're at and everything now, but that was a huge wake up call for that. And I think that drive and that conversation of like, you don't want to be a failure, especially to your wife. Right. Uh, that's what kind of helped me to make those decisions. Like you talked about all those different pivots and stuff quicker. I was always then looking at everything from a different opportunity and kind of a, a different angle of like, okay, well, how can I leverage this opportunity to provide for my family? Cause that yeah. became yeah. a driving focus. It wasn't just about like how much money you can make and stuff like that, but it was like, okay, well, how can this better the family? Cause I like to think about it all as like legacy. And it's not just right. what I do. Like I'm okay. Like my wife and I talk about this all the time. Like I'm okay with sacrificing some of my, personal fun time, especially for the past, you know, 10 years as, as we've really been going hard and building all this stuff up. I'm okay, especially now, knowing that I sacrificed a bunch of like personal fun time to where now I have laid the foundation for a legacy for my kids. Like I'm okay with suffering a little bit so I can leave something back behind for them. Man, I love that. You know, you said we put in all that time and now this is where we are today and people see the today, but they don't always see what happened before. They don't see, you know, the changes that you were making as a family that you and Courtney, I'm sure made together, you know, to uproot your family and go from Oklahoma to Miami where, you know, I'm sure in different parts of your life and people's journey. And here's the dangers of social media. People see the outside and they think everything's great but they don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Yeah. Right. So people reach out to me and they're like, man, I love this and how you're doing. I'm like, man, you don't know the work that's going into this right now. You don't know the struggles and the tears that Kim and I have had together, you know, over finances early in our relationship and the driving force. Like we met when I was doing fight the Davod, and, you know, the, you said you wanted a business. I needed a business and not so much as I wanted at that time. I needed it. Like we needed to provide, we needed to, to do more to pay the bills. Right. And so there's always a driving force, but people see the now they don't see the then. And I'm sure when you went from firefighter to Miami, that change was a little bit different than when people saw you on your social media and you're working at the gym and you're doing, th- and they're like, man, this guy's got it made. Now he's managing this new location and like, look what he's doing. He's got, and then there's the change in next thing, Sean's living in Oklahoma again, what happened? And like, but look at now, look at him now. He's got it made, but they don't see the, str- the tough decisions that had to take place and the hard conversations that had to take place. And I'm sure you and Courtney did that together, right? Yeah. So 
A hundred percent. There's a, there's somebody that I love. He's a pastor and a leadership guy named Craig Groeschel. And he always, he says that all the time, like yeah, uh, behind the scenes to somebody else's highlight reel. And that's mm-hmm. exactly social media. Social media is all is highlight reels. Nobody's going to post. Right. Hey, we, we almost didn't pay our bills last month, guys. Like, you know, hashtag yeah. blessed. Like that's not going to happen. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right. It's well, true. It's all fake stuff, man. But a hundred percent. Like, I think that, and honestly, I don't know if there's the a, a best way to do this. The only thing that I know is, you know, seek God, especially whenever you're married, seek God and make decisions together. Because if you're if you're not equally yoked on these decisions, that's going to easily put some type of wedge to where if it doesn't work out perfectly, that could be easily used to rip apart your marriage and to start fights and just, you know, rip down, you know, what is the most important thing, which is the family. And so yeah, you have to be on the same page whenever you're making those decisions. And I'll be honest, like there's been a couple of like big, huge of those pivot moments where we didn't know how it was going to work, but we agreed to take the risk together. So the first one was whenever we moved from uh, Tulsa to Miami originally. We had a gym, wasn't doing well at all. Our marriage was just coming out of a horrible, horrible season of where I had honestly had walked out on the family at that part. And uh, our marriage was like a year back into this this healing process. And uh, everybody said, don't move. Like you guys need to be around a support system around the family and stuff like that. Business was failing. We didn't have jobs or anything. And we just both wanted, honestly, a fresh start. And yeah. so, okay, if we can fresh start anywhere, where should we go? And we kind of narrowed it down to a couple of places. We both ended up like, and this is how quickly we... Like the other thing about my wife and I that... I, one of the things I love most about her is we both make decisions very, very quickly. Mm. And so like we made the decision and executed the move to Miami within six weeks. Within six weeks, wow. we said, let's move to Miami. We sold everything we wanted. We closed down our gyms. We both found jobs. And within six weeks, we were living in Miami. Moved yeah. halfway across the country, found the kids' new schools, everything. We moved, we moved super, super quick. Um, but we knew when we moved, there was no guarantees. I was going to work as a trainer, had no client roster, brand new city. It's a hundred percent. Yeah. You know, you eat what you kill type of a thing. So it's commission only. She was starting all over at a different medical practice where it was a very similar type of a setup where it was kind of commission based on the patients she saw and everything. So moved across the country and started from nothing. And I remember my wife said before we left, her name's Courtney. She said, I I'm scared, but I have a piece because she said, I feel God is saying that it's going to be stress. It's going to be stressful to get down there. But once we get down there, we're going to be blessed. Mm-hmm. And the first we held on to that promise because the first six months, like she would call me every day crying. We made a mistake. I can't believe we did this. And the first six months we lived down there, like me, I would cry all the time at work. Like, God, what did I do? Did I just ruin my family even more? Um, and then at about six months, like, like little blessings and opportunities and stuff started happening. And now we both 100% like Miami's like a second home. We love that place. And we were dramatically, I, I haven't calculated out, maybe it's a 10 X, but we were like way 10 X financially blessed, spiritually blessed, relationally blessed with like our marriage, with friendship and everything, because we did hold on to that. And then the other pivot point was the exact opposite was then, you know, it's middle of COVID. We're living in downtown Miami and this beautiful high rise condo, but everything is shut down. So we're locked in there with three kids. And uh, my wife's like, I think we should move back to Oklahoma. And I'm like, 
what? Like I plan on dying in Miami. Like I love that place. And, uh, I was like, listen, she took the risk on me to move down there to kind of restart everything. We'd been down there four or five years, I think. And I was working, I, I had my, I was doing full-time consulting and everything. I knew we could, like I could work anywhere. That was the pro. I was like, all right, she has this idea of this, uh, thing that she wanted to go do, uh, with her medical clinic. And I was like, let's do it. And I remember driving the U-Haul from Miami back to Oklahoma and just praying like, God, I hope this is right. Like yeah. we, were, we were so blessed. Everything was going so well, uh, in Miami. And then same thing. It was about two or three months. Whenever we first lived here, we were having to live with our in-laws while our house was being built. Um, but then same thing, like that same 10 X thing that we had when we went from Tulsa to Miami, cause we were obedient and we were like equally yoked together. Same thing happened. Like I just remember as I was driving, the closer I got to Oklahoma, I started feeling more and more peace about it. And then once we got here, I was living in a small little bedroom at my in-law's house. And I was like, all right, God, I don't know what you got going on, but we're going to do this. And now we've been here. It'll be, uh, it'll be two years next month. And this has been the most blessed two years of our lives. Like as far as like financial opportunities that have come up, like getting plugged into an awesome church, our marriage is doing great. Our kids love it here. We're closer to family. And it's just the only reason why is we had no guarantees either way, mm-hmm. but we were uh, in alliance and an agreement to be willing to take a risk together, knowing that at the end of the day, like if you're seeking God and your, your marriage is strong and you guys are focusing on those things together from the world's perspective, something could not work out. But as long as those things are a priority, everything is still going to work out. It just might not be how you thought it was going to be. Man, I love it. You know, you and Courtney clearly took some chances, you know, and people would say risks in the decisions that you've made for your family. Um, you know, I've spoken to guys, men, fathers who want to make a big change. Um, you might be speaking to one right now too, but it's almost like they lean on their family as a crutch or an excuse not to make that change. You know, instead of the reason for making the change, you said every decision that we've made, we've made like, how can I better provide for my family? What's better for my family? And it sounds like every decision that you made, you were together. And, you know, Kim and I, our, our relationship over the last few years has become so much more strong and robust because we're able to just break down barriers and just have open conversations with each other. And one of the things that I talk about often on here is growth. And I believe that we should always be committed to growth, right? Growing in our lives. And there's an importance um, in that growth to have boundaries. But, you know, those boundaries can also act as a filter, a filter through which you can make decisions. And as you're sharing your story, you, you've, you've hinted at things and you've, you've turned things over to God before you make decisions. And I love that filter. But as you aspire to make a difference, you know, as a dad, as a husband in your family, in your business, in your community, in your church community, do you have a filter that you put your decisions through? And what is it? Yeah, there's this book that uh, I use just for everything. It's been around a long time. It's called the Bible, and uh, I love it. That's my. We're on the Dad Podcast. We can we can have dad jokes, but that's that's what it is. Like, yeah. I'm not perfect, dude. I screw things up all the time. My marriage is not perfect. Um, my my being a father is not perfect. Uh, my business is not perfect. My life is not perfect. But I, I think what makes it pretty awesome is 
one, I guess, being aware of that and, yeah. and always work towards it. And like, I, I do try to run everything through the filter of what God's word says. Like it, it literally is a blueprint for life and, and for, for success to all those who find it and apply Like, listen, man, I'm not like this super, like, I'm just like laying hands on my mouse and everything yeah. like, yeah, yeah. no, you have to do that. Like, that's how I start off every morning. And my wife can tell, like, you know, some people are like, don't talk to me until I had my coffee. Like for me, like, I'm like, don't talk to me until I have my quiet time. Like I have to come into here to the office, shut the door. And the kids know if the door is shut, dad's in there reading and praying, just leave him alone. Cause I need that. Cause if not, I am a grouch. Like, I know that that has to be like the foundation and pillar to my day. Um, because if not, like, probably going to be a sorry. Like <laughs> I need God. Like I'm not perfect. We um, are more alike than I thought, Sean, <laughs> but like, I, I need that time because that just helps me get centered because if not, like, especially in this plugged in digital world, like you're just going to get inundated with everything. And Hey, guess what? Yeah. The internet's not full of the world's most positive stuff. So, but if right. you start your day with a good positive foundation and everything and, and plugged into the word and everything, like, to me, that that's what helps the filter. And I didn't always do that. So don't think mm. like I've, I've always done that with all of my decisions. Um, and then even like going back to, like, to what you said, like, yes, we'll, uh, Courtney and I will eventually get aligned on something. But I mean, okay, there's going to be some fights and some arguments possibly <laughs> uh, until those things happen. But it's it's always like we, my wife and I, so we say this all the time, like especially like if we're fighting about something, we'll have to sometimes like pause, like same team, same team. Yeah you're both on the same team. You want the same thing. It's just, especially whenever you, my wife's a very strong personality as well. Like if you're both trying to go the same way, you just have different, you know, it's like a map, like you can get to the, the city. It's the same way, but it's like, or that the end results the same, but you might want to take different directions to go there. So you just have to sometimes pause and remind each other we're on the same team, but, and that's what I do. Yeah. And at the risk of you having to give the same answer, <laughs> I, I, I still want to ask you another question because if, if you're watching this on YouTube right now, you're watching video of this, Sean could also almost be accused of being the only person who smiles more than I do. <laughs> and, and you're a guy who always seems, you know, focused on being positive. You know, you're upbeat. I love somebody. I would be like, Oh, I'm going to check out Sean's social media. I don't spend a lot of time on social media these days, but I'll go on. I'm like, oh, he hasn't posted a long time. And you will come on and your only post like a three week span will be, you just get on and say to people, you are awesome. And it just speaks life into people, right? You know, you've had some dips in your journey. We all do. We all have ups and downs and you've had many wins too, which is incredible. I'm so happy for, for you and your family. What is Sean's secret to finding positivity and what encouragement can you give to, you know, the listener who right now wants to become a difference maker in, in their family, um, but struggles a little bit with the positivity right now, given everything that they've been berated with and dumped on over the last two years. Chuck, uh, first off, you are awesome. So how about that? Uh, you know why this is, uh, I love my dad and we like have since our relationship is, is improved a lot since I, I was growing up. I mean, he wasn't, he wasn't a bad person. He just wasn't super involved in my life. Um, one of the things, unfortunately, if you, if you meet me and you meet my dad, we are the complete polar opposite. And, uh, this, I'm not saying this is the world's best thing, but my dad says this all the time. He'll be like, listen, if I couldn't have served as a good example, maybe I served as a bad example for you. <laughs> so I grew up with my dad being the exact opposite of I, what I am. Every time something happened, like in any time there was an opportunity, like, oh, 
somebody's probably just going to take advantage of me here, or this probably isn't going to work out. Like I, I, I bet it's, um, uh, going to cost more than what we really thought. Like no good can come from this. Like, the, like this quote, I, I remember hearing this quote all the time growing up. It always say no good deed goes unpunished. Like I heard all of this stuff yeah. and I saw how my, my father's life worked out and I was like, okay, well, I'm not a smart man, but <laughs> I figured, okay, if that's what saying that stuff happens, what happens if I do the opposite? And my dad, he'll like, he used to joke with me all the time. And now I think he realized that, hey, maybe my son was onto something. And like, you just live in this fantasy world where everything is awesome and, you know, everybody's having an awesome day. And he's like, and it's not really like that. Well, I think it can be. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, so because of seeing that, I almost made me want to default to be the extreme opposite. And then I did that without having any type of honest like foundation with that. And then obviously, like as you get into the word and you read the Bible, like, hey, life and death are in the power of the tongue. It's not necessarily the things that you think or that you read, but it's the words that you speak. Um, your words have life as you're speaking. If you're if you're speaking into your marriage, you're like, oh, she, she never listens to me. She doesn't understand. Like, hey, guess what? You're probably going to bring life to that. Like there's there's a whole spiritual rabbit hole you can get down with that. But if you speak something and you have the power to create with your words, just like God created the earth with those words, like you can create that bad stuff into your marriage. But if you speak positive and you speak life into everything, um, Hey, guess what? You're going to have life with that. So, so there was that aspect that I figured out. Then when I moved to uh, Miami and I started working like as a personal trainer and I was training like literally some of the most successful wealthy people uh, in the country, if not the world, yeah. I listened to how they spoke. I listened to how they talked to people. I saw how they lived their life. And everybody like, well, of course they're going to be positive uh, because uh, they're, they're making all this money and stuff like that. But I, I don't think it's that. I think it's they have those things because of how they are and they act. They respond to opportunities. They look at things. They do speak life into things. Um, there's really much, uh, there's so much power in your words. And I think I just saw that firsthand with the good and the bad. You know, there's the, the Robert Kiyosaki, rich dad, poor dad. Like I yeah. almost saw that with how people spoke their words. I saw the people wow. that were really successful were speaking life into everything. Um, and I saw the people that were suffering uh, were, were speaking negative into everything. And so I think because of that, that just made me who I am to where now, like I am super optimistic because I, can see the good and the positive in almost everything. Like I think that's one of the things that's helped to identify opportunities. And as an entrepreneur too, is like, okay, it might not have worked out financially how I expected it to, but I still, I learned a lot from this opportunity. Yeah. Maybe it was learn what not to do. Uh, but I, I don't, I don't know. I'm just not like that. And I think a lot of it had to do with just like how I was raised and what I saw growing up. And then now it's embedded in me because of what I know the Bible says. And so now I just speak life into to everything that I do. I love it. I love it, man. You know, I love that you said, yeah, I, I don't know everything. I don't know all the answers, you know, but I can look through it through this lens and it changes things. Yeah. You know, I, I have a mentor, uh, who I connect with regularly. And he always say a good word. It's kind of his thing. He's just like, and he's from the South and he, he has an accent and everybody in the South who hears me speak, think I have a weird accent, but uh, he'll say, Hey, Cameron, say a good word. And I, I asked him why he said that. And that's what it was. It's like, you know, when you open up and you speak positively into the lives of other people, you can't control how they take that. 
but you know that the chances that take it pretty good yeah. because there's people don't hear enough positive. People don't see enough smile. I go to the local Y to work out every day and I'm walking in like this with a smile on my face. And people look at me like I am some sort of freak. Like who is this guy smiling at me? I'll smile, say hello. Yeah. But, you, but you know what? Nine out of 10 of those people kind of smirk, smile and say hello right back. Right. Yeah. And so that's a whole, I love that. Approach. Whenever I first went to Miami, um, if you guys have ever been to Miami, it's, it's a lot different than Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, everybody thought I was some type of a con artist because they're like, why is this kid so happy all the time? I don't get what's his angle. What's he trying to get from us? And then yeah. like, they got to know me. They're like, man, this guy's just happy all the time. Like <laughs> it, it takes a while for people to see that it is like pretty organic. And this is just how I am because listen, man, if you have the, there, there's very few things that you have true 100% control over. And one of them is just how you perceive things. And if you want to sit there and you just want to like think about all the negative and, and dark, darkness and stuff that's in the world, like, hey, guess what? I bet your life's feeling pretty negative and dark right now, too. But I know, like, just our family, for example, we went through COVID. And that was like the past two years have been the most blessed years we've had. And it's not because, we were, you know, doing anything right or wrong. Well, I think we were doing something right. We were speaking life into everything. We were trusting God with everything. And we weren't just like watching the news all day and dwelling on all the negativity and stuff like that, because that serves you no good at all. I, I tell my clients all the time, I let them vent and I complain typically for like the first like three minutes of, of our session or something, if they're, if they're talking about something. And uh, afterwards, I'm like, so how's that thought serving you? Right. Mm. Oh. Oh, that's, that's really not cool. So what would happen if we changed that and we focused on it and spoke it like this? Like, yeah. Okay. Like, whatever. <laughs> but, uh, but there's power in that stuff, man. Yeah, absolutely. You know, as we get close to closing, there's a question I'm always eager to ask dads, you know? So as your kids continue to grow, your family continues to grow, but you grow as a father, what are some areas of growth right now that you've committed to? And what are you excited about right now? Oh, well, I would say death. So for sure, for the areas of growth that we're committed to, are you talking about me as a father or what? Yeah, you. Yeah. yeah so for, for me, it's, I am trying to be a better man for my wife and for my kids. And so for me, like we were talking about it just before we got onto this, like I've been getting plugged into tons of men's group. Like we've got a, a local group here called mountain men to where, you know, we meet monthly then we go climb a mountain together. We go experience God. There's uh, the book we were just talking about before uh, wild at heart by John Eldridge. I've started diving into that whole stuff. Like I love his whole program and everything there. And we're starting a, a Bible study over that, but just like finding out what God's word says, that I'm supposed to be doing. So it's like, I've, I feel like I've got several areas like quote unquote figured out. Um, but that's one of those ones where I don't think you ever have it figured out. Like being a husband and being a father, because it's always at a constant state of evolution. Like as you, as you get deeper into marriage, like your struggles are different. Like now it's like, okay, well, how do we raise these kids together? Um, how do we like balance family work life together? And then the same thing with parenting. It's like, once you, once you think you got infants figured out, well, now they're toddlers. And then once you think you got that figured out, well, then they're in elementary school. Yeah. And like, so it's always growing. And so like, you have to always be growing and learning and stuff with them. Um, and, and because of everything that's in the world, I want to make sure that going back to the big thing, like 
now that you're making me think about it, we do speak a lot of life in this house and we speak a lot of life over our kids. Like that's the thing that I, <laughs> it might sound like an oxymoron. I yell at my kids the most about is them speaking negative. <laughs> I'll hear them like say something across and like, like they'll be doing homework. And I'm like, oh, I'm just so dumb. I can't do this. I'm like, Hey, don't say that. Speak life. You are smart. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You're a child of God. <laughs> and like, I'll speak that stuff over because they're hearing all this junk and stuff. And there's right. so much Harrison syndrome and stuff with things like, especially they haven't gotten into social media yet. Cause they're not that old, but once they do, man, I want them to know who they are. I don't want them to have to find their identity through somebody else, through a, through a relationship or through somebody else. I want them to know who they are. So that was the big thing that I think that we're very much committed to at our house is being, like I'm not, I don't think I'm the world's best parent, but one thing that I try to do really well is I listen to everything they say. And as soon as I hear something that I'm like, Oop, that's not from God. That's not positive. Like we, we nip that right there because I want them to be able to know how powerful their words are. So making sure that they're equipped with all the tools that they have to where, you know, they're, they're reading verses and they're speaking that life over themselves and to their friends and stuff like that. That's, I think that's for us, that's the most powerful and important thing you can do. Awesome. Sean, thank you, brother, for doing this. I appreciate you. Yeah, speaking life into the people who are listening to this today. And if someone is listening today and they want to find you online, connect with you, learn more about you, uh, where can they do that? And the best way I would probably say on all the platforms, I'm most active-ish on Instagram. Uh, it's just at Sean Garner. S-E-A-N-G-A-R-N-E-R or like small business owners, solopreneurs, man, looking to any help with marketing and just scaling their business. And just honestly, just like what you were saying is just building a business that serves them and their goals. And you're not just creating like a box to live inside. And that's what we do at Entrefit Coaching. So you can just check it out. It's entrefitcoaching.com. Excellent. Thank you, Sean. I wish you and your family well, and I can't wait to uh, see what life has in store for you. Thank you, brother. Love you and have an awesome day. Thank you for joining me today on this episode of the Dad's Making a Difference podcast. I hope you found value in today's show. And if it made a positive impact on you, please share it with someone you know, leave a five-star review and subscribe so you don't miss out on upcoming episodes. I'm Cam Hall. Thank you for spending time with me today. And I will see you on the next episode of the DMD podcast.